بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد مبارك وسلم وان سوره السبع the last two ayat of the surah inshallah اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Is it not? It's not there yet. It's the last 53. وَقَدْ كَفَرُوا بِهِ مِنْ قَبْلَ وَيَقْذِفُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ مِنْ مَكَانٍ بَعِيدٍ Previously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, stated in ayah number 48 قُلْ إِنَّ رَبِّي يَقْذِفُ بِالْحَقِّ عَلَّامُ الْقِيُوبِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he propels and he sends down information with the haqq, the truth, the reality, because he is the one who knows all the time, all the secrets and the hidden details of the cone, of the cosmos, and so on. In the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about uh, his knowledge. يَعْلَمُ مَا يَلِجُ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا وَمَا يَنْزُلُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَمَا يَعْرُجُ فِيهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is microscopic as well it is uh, macroscopic. لَا يَعَزُّبُ عَنْهُمْ إِذْ قَالَ ذَرَّةٍ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ This again is repeated in ayah number uh, 48 towards the end of the surah. And here at the very end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the ghayb, again the unseen, what is unknown to human beings and what is not perceivable, nor conceivable to human beings which is the ghayb. And uh, the ironic fact about human beings is that when they disbelieve in the Allah al-Qayyub, the one who knows the ghayb and the unseen and what is beyond human reason, uh, conception, perception, they start to throw ideas in the dart. وَقَدْ كَفَرُوا بِهِ مِنْ قَبْلَ and they had disbelieved before, meaning those people on the Day of Judgment will know that they disbelieved before in the world. And they will be discussing and throwing missiles and propelling their darts in the dark from a very, very far off place, a very distant place. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the stubborn nature of man is that man disbelieves in someone who knows more than he does as a species. If you can't quantify something there and if you don't have access to something, then you're usually in denial. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now hummed and praised 
which is what the surah starts with, Alhamdulillah, all praise due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he knows everything there is to know. That's why we praise him. If human beings decide that they must believe in him and they believe in him, then they will have access to that part of the ghayb, of the unseen, of the unknown through wahi and revelation, through a nabi, through a prophet. But if they deny themselves this, then there will be shooting darts in the dark. يَقْذِفُونَ uh, bil They'll be propelling okay, in the ghayb, okay, guessing, estimating, speculating, and they'll have no place in uh, the felicity, the success on the day of judgment. This is what this eye is referring to. But as I said, it's a reflection of human, how human beings behave in this world when the Akhirah is an extension of this world where what you do here will be reflected much more intensely on a much grander scale over there. And a barrier will be made in between them and between whatever they wish and whatever they desire. So meaning not only on the Day of Judgment, definitely, they will not be able to receive any kind of favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But also in this world, as the second part of the ayah uh, tells us, the preferred translation would be that in this world also, there is going to be a barrier between, what, between themselves and what they desire of knowledge uh, and success. Just as it was done to those groups of people, similar groups like them uh, before. Uh, a Shia, the plural of the word Shia, which is a schism, is a sect, is a group uh, that uh, moves away from uh, the mainstream. Um, so we see that these people are called a Shia. The people who moved away from the truth, people who moved away from uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wahi and revelation and order, okay, they were also deprived of what they wanted in this world before the Qur'an was revealed. Right. Yeah. What do human beings want in terms of knowledge? They want to have access to that kind of knowledge which allows them to control and to govern and to manipulate and then to make sure they are able to exploit through that uh, access. Right. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that at the time of these people's death, they were deprived of this because they had no knowledge of the unseen as they die. And when they saw that the unseen is revealing itself through angels and through the other world, and the world of the graves, they were deprived of whatever it is they expected when they were dying. Right? So this is the plight of human beings. Indeed, they were always residing in, and they were always being in a doubt, a state of speculation. Murib, that which causes speculation for others, 
not only were they in doubt, but they were also trying to impose their doubt on others, which is what people do uh, as human beings. But God forbid, if you have a, an idea that is false, an ideology that is false, or a religion that is false, then you're going to make sure others around you also doubt in the same way that you doubt. Murib, the one that causes doubt in others. Yeah. So here at the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the plight of those who do not believe in Allah and do not want to praise Him. And therefore they don't want to believe that He knows the ghaib and he knows everything that is imperceivable, inconceivable to the human being as an individual and also as a species. So when you summarize the surah from the beginning to the end, you go back to the beginning and tie the beginning to the end and the end to the beginning. So here we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning of the surah praises himself, alhamdulillah, etc. And that praise is based on his uh, eternal knowledge of everything. Uh, whatever is in the ghaib, in the unseen world, and whatever is here in the seen world, in the zahir. At the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains the plight of those who don't believe in this. And although they want to gain access to that knowledge also, uh, they become stubborn and they deprive themselves of gaining access and then they start to deprive others also. Yeah. So there, here we see that the surah, surah al-sabah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the parable, the example of the people of sabah, that uh, look, in real life when you are blessed with a wonderful town, city, country, civilization, which is uh, full of lush gardens and full of boulevards and avenues and full of springs and fountains and rivers and full of uh, uh, fruit and full of infrastructure and a wonderful governor a beautiful town, city, village whatever you like to say the word balda means and more than that a very compassionate and concerned ruler, Rabbul Ghafur. That's the story of the Sabah, the Sheba. So Allah subhanahu uses that story as a parable to represent the whole surah. So now, in real life, you may have such a town, a city, and a civilization where everything's going, alhamdulillah, exceptionally well. Then people start to commit dhulm injustice. Then people start to turn away from the truth as the Quran says. They turned away. They turned away from this uh, understanding of shukr, understanding of thanks, understanding of gratitude, understanding of appreciating who gives. Allah subhanahu wa gives. So alhamdulillah again, the word alhamdulillah which is the first word in the surah comes down into the story of sabah also that they refrained from giving shukr and praising Allah for the ni'mah. They became consumed with the ni'mah and they forgot the munaim, the one who gives the ni'mah. And that caused their downfall, their destruction, 
and the catastrophes that accompanied their destruction where everything turned sour. Their fruits now became bitter, their vegetation was now dried up, and they lost all prosperity or money or finance, and they lost their dwellings also. Hmm. So in their dwellings, there is an ayah, there is a sign, uh, there is a parable, there is an example, there is a symbol. So likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using that to inform the reader that likewise, when you have access to guidance and knowledge, okay, and you develop a community, a civilization based on knowledge, then you prosper. Okay? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a further form of knowledge, which is wahi. If you apply it, you will accelerate, and if you deny it, you will disintegrate. So that's the example. The example of the Muslim history. That parable of Sabah applies to the Muslim civilization post-colonialism. That you had everything as far as the civilization goes. Everything was in order. You believed in Allah al you believed in revelation and wahi as a source of your knowledge, as the reason for your civilization. Fa'arabu. And then we turned away. We said, we don't need revelation. We can go with the sciences. And then the sciences caused the destruction, the disintegration. The flowers became dried up. The fruits became bitter. And we started infighting, as the word ashia is denoting. Then the rest, as you know, is a 120-year history that we're still living. So what is the way back? The way back is the way forward. And that is to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is to appreciate that we have access to the ghayb, through the wahi that came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and is right here in front of us. It's called the Quran. It's right here in the books of Hadith and the Sunnah and the books of Islamic law and fiqh and so on. If we want to recreate that level of civilization, then we must say alhamdulillah and praise Allah for the ni'mah that Allah has given in our ability to access all forms of worldly knowledge and all forms of knowledge that is beyond this world. We don't need to receive wahi directly. We're not capable of. Wahi came to Muhammad and the community that he developed and the civilization that the Sahaba developed and then the order that the Muslims developed for over a millennium is akin to the city of Sheba, Sabah. We were doing great. Jannatani Yamini wa Shimal. Two gardens on both on the south side and the north side, on the right and the left. We had everything at our disposal. People came and then they started to say, we don't need this kind of knowledge. 
because this kind of knowledge is retrogressive. It will keep us backwards and it, was, uh, it will launch us back into the Stone Age or the Dark Age or whichever age is the age of Jahiliyyah, ignorance. It's in the name of seeking knowledge, we became Ajhalun Nas, the most ignorant of people. So we decided to just turn away. So what happened? This happened. وَحِيلَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَمَيْدَ مَا يَشْتَهُونَ A barrier was created between what we wanted and ourselves. We can't do what we want anymore. Right? Why? Because we don't see Allah's uh, wahi to the Prophet وسلم, as a ni'mah. That's why. We're not saying that knowledge of how the world works is detrimental. Knowledge of how the world works is beneficial. And we should know it, and we do know it, as we have access to these types of knowledge all across the world, and especially here in this part of the world and this, in this country. Uh, our children and ourselves, everybody's going to school, college, universities, and they are in very uh, good positions in academia, in, in their professions, in their community service, or whatever. But nobody wants to say that there is Alimul Ghaib, Allamul Ghayub. That there's someone who knows the Ghaib. There's someone who knows what is imperceivable and inconceivable to the human mind and to the human species. And that leads to a disintegration of the Muslim mind, as it did to the disintegration of the people of Sheba that we forget that there is a mun'im. There is someone who gives the ni'mah, and we are obsessed with the ni'mah, and we become engrossed in the ni'mah. We are drowned in the ni'mah of what is a good lifestyle, or access to knowledge that gives us a lot of money, a lot of business, a lot of accolades, a lot of high positions. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah. But nobody wants to say, alhamdulillah. So here, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that you don't have access to the resources that we gave Dawood and Suleiman. They're mentioned in the beginning of the surah. Okay? Before the story of Saba and Sheba, who's mentioned? Dawood and Suleiman. The resources that Dawood and Islam had access to and the resources that he was able to control are far greater than anyone has access to today. Likewise, the resources that Sulaiman had access to and the resources that he controlled and governed is far greater than any resource that any military has access to today. Any nation has, any civilization. But their lives was built around ibadah. Even as Sulaiman Islam's life is about to end in this world, what's he doing? He's praying. He's standing in Salat. And the jinn outside of the glass sanctuary, they don't know that he's dead or he's dying or he's gone. Because he's still praying, leaning against his staff and his cane. Right. Dawud Islam's ability to mold iron and to create the iron industry and all of that, what he did 
for human beings and how he governed and ruled as a Khalifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's mind-boggling. So we see now, we see two, two parables. One is that of Nabuwa, where the Nabi, Dawud and Suleiman, had access to physical resources and they had access to knowledge about how the world works. Suleiman knew how to communicate with birds and then also control them and also use them. Dawud and the jinn, obviously. Dawud was able to speak to the mountains and also sing, uh, or the birds would sing with him in chorus with him and so on. So this ability uh, is a worldly ability that came through wahi. And they also had wahi. Dawud is a Nabi. Suleiman is a Nabi. And they lived very well in this world. On the other side, you have Sabah and Sheba, where they turned away from wahi, and they turned away from the Mun'im, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then once a great civilization fell. It just fell. Disintegrated. Totally destroyed. So the Muslims who want to reflect on why the Muslim civilization disintegrated should find fodder and more than that, guidance in Surah Al-Sabah. We were once this type of community society that we were feeding others like the people of Sheba, like Dawood and Suleiman. People used to come to us. They used to flock to our country so that they would have a better life and better lifestyle and they would learn these sciences. Okay? The worldly sciences, they would come and learn from us. And then Wahi also. Then we forgot and we left and we said, we don't need this Wahi anymore. This Wahi is not good for us in this world because others have taken over and they're leading the race in this world. And we're still struggling to get back where we were. Anyway, yeah. so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his infinite wisdom and his hikmah, has given us guidance after guidance after guidance in every surah of the Qur'an, in every ayah of the Qur'an. Muslims must be able to appropriate that guidance and reflect on their conditions and in their community societies through these surahs and through this guidance so that they're able to... Uh, understand why it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to ask us to read the Qur'an so that the Qur'an is a source of guidance, inspiration and the Qur'an is a source of knowledge of the ghayb, the unseen. And, but that only happens if we believe. وَقَدْ كَفَرُوا بِهِ مِنْ قَبْلُ When we started to disbelieve and speculate and also sometimes waver and shaykh and come into the discussion of wahi and religion and Islam with skepticism and unfounded, unbased questions, then we did what they did. We start to now shoot out these darts in the dark and we say, this is going to happen, this is what needs to happen, this is what needs to happen from a very far, far distance. So if you're in the dark and the, 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 the board that you're aiming at, the dart board, is two feet away, then we can still say it's hopeful that you'll miss, 
you won't miss the target. Right? But if you're 100 miles away and you're shooting in the dark, and you want to say, I want to get my dart onto that board, it's 100 miles away. That's not happening. Likewise, the plight of the Muslim mind and the Muslim ummah is reflected here in these ayat so that the Muslim mind is able to wake up and the Muslim community is able to wake up that there is nur in the cosmos. And that is Allah's nur. Allah's nur is Allah's nur. Allah's nur will show you what is what. Allah's nur exposes reality. Allah, Allah's nur reveals your structure, the structure of the universe, the structure of how things work. The Quran never said that don't understand how the world works. The Quran says that you must understand how the world works with nur, with guidance, with light, with basira, not with darkness. And then that you, you, you're roaming around here and there uh, like a chicken without heads. Right? So that the, the Muslim communities, uh, as, as well as they are, uh, they're placed okay, I guess. In terms of the world, we are positioned okay. Allah give us more with barakah and inshallah with uh, afia and comfort. Okay. So most people in this part of the world, in the West, uh, they say we okay. Allah make it more than okay. Keep us comfortable, inshallah, forever. But that's not enough. Why? Because that is, that is not without nur. There's no nur there. Uh, there's no hamd of Allah. There's no praising of Allah. And when you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find guidance and evidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a purpose for bringing you here and into this world is so that you avoid punishment after you die. Okay. That is the purpose. Okay. If you're not able to understand this fact of life, that the purpose of your life is not just to live this life. The purpose of your life is to live this life in such a way that you make a better life after you die. And that comes through Iman, and that comes through the Bilghayb, the unseen, the unknown, where human beings' minds and rationale is not, uh, they're, they're not able to process nor access that knowledge except through Wahi that is given to a Nabi, to the last Nabi Muhammad so this surah is full of parables and examples. Two stories are mentioned. Those two stories serve as a paradigm for us, as, a, as an example for us, so that we are always thinking about what we need to do in order to recreate the baldatun tayyibatun wa rabbun ghafoor, the beautiful city and a very, very compassionate ruler. The ruler being Islam. What is the Rabb of a Muslim? Their understanding of who Allah is, who Muhammad وسلم, is, and what is their deen. That is Islam. The three questions you'll be asked where? In the grave. Right. That is the Rabbul Ghafur for Islam. Islam is not someone that is a tyrant. Islam is not someone that doesn't show any concern for your prosperity or your success in this world. But Islam is more concerned about your success and prosperity after you die. 
the, the question of priority. When Muslims use Islam with this priority in mind, then they've always been successful, as we see in other parts of the Quran. There are two other places where the Quran talks about civilizations in this way, with the use of the word balad. One is Surat al Balad, La Uqsimu bihad al Balad, wa Antahillum bihad al Balad. In that surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains to us all the deeds that will make you a good city. That when you take on these hard tasks okay, to relieve captives and to feed people who are poor and to serve the indigenous and to serve those who don't have any means in order for them to survive. These are the qualities Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions at the end of the surah, then this is the way for a Muslim civilization. It's also the way forward for any civilization. And the other places, That's the other place where the word balad is used in this civilizational context where If you raise the insan on this pedestal and you develop people's citizenship in such a way that they become the best species on the planet. Then you have a good civilization. And the best of forms and the best of uh, constitutions is given to man so that man may perform all of these good deeds in such a way that brings about what you might term today as social justice. Good deeds. Where you might develop people who are charitable, they are altruistic, they are concerned about not hurting people. As the Prophet said, Lil Imani that Iman has so many branches. The lowest branch is what? That you remove harm from the road. So when you're developing this community, this civilization, that is a Muslim community civilization, the first thing you must do is make sure there's no harm on the road. Physically, you see something, you remove it. Some, there's glass there, there's somebody else there that could hurt somebody. You get out of your car and you remove it. This is the first rule of citizenship, that you don't want anyone to be harmed in the vicinity where you live, in your neighborhood. This is the lowest branch of Iman, the Prophet So when you read the Qur'an with, with all the, the, the parameters and all the descriptions of citizenship, what is the baladiyya, okay, that is a, your, your civil duty as a Muslim, then you see that Dawood and Sulaiman performed their civil duties, but their greatest duty was ibadah, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they had time. And then you see the people of Sabah, that they had two phases of their lives. One phase was very good because they had shukr and they appreciated Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the munim. The other phase was very evil because they forgot how to appreciate Allah. And they became engrossed in living in this world as people do in hedonism. That they become hedonistic. All their pleasure and all their luxury was for the sake of consumption of whatever ni'mah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave. So here we see guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
uh, the Surah Al-Sabah is now coming to a conclusion for the moment. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa guides us, allows us to benefit from this Surah and every Surah in the Quran in such a way that helps us become better in this world and also in the world hereafter. Inshallah, Jazakumullah khair. We will start with the next Surah the next time we meet. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanakallah, alhamdulillah. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله